Welcome to the EMS Improv Podcast, where we engage, where we are mindful, and we share or tell our stories. I am Eric Chase, and we are powered by GEMS. Ladies and gentlemen, today we are with uh, a gentleman I met in 2015 uh, near Sully's Pub in Charlestown, Massachusetts. Uh, this individual is passionate about uh, EMS. He's passionate about human beings. He's passionate about uh, football, Liverpool specifically, over there in Great Britain across the pond. Uh, he is currently, uh, it holds a role as captain at Boston EMS. And uh, without further ado, oh, ladies and gentlemen, the reason that we're talking today is that Tony is also the treasurer for the National EMS Memorial Foundation. And I want to welcome Tony O'Brien. Tony O'Brien, uh, I thank you for your time. I thank you for the energy and the, and the passion that you're going to give us today about this topic, some funny stories as well. Uh, but we're here really and primarily to talk about the National EMS Memorial, which uh, for many of the listeners, uh, I'll let you share a, a story from when you were down in Emmitsburg to kind of set off the uh, the podcast. But Tony O'Brien, ladies and gentlemen, currently a captain at Boston EMS and the treasurer for the National EMS Memorial Foundation. Welcome, Tony O'Brien. Thanks so much, Eric. It's great to be here with you. Um, I appreciate, I appreciate you taking the time to spread the word about the memorial effort. Uh, do you want me to just go right into that story we talked about in Emmitsburg? Yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. So I, hopefully our listeners will also find it uh, uh, low-key funny, because it, it is funny in a sad way, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's, a, common, it's a common occurrence whenever I uh, meet groups of people. I usually, especially EMS people, I ask them if they, uh, if they know where the EMS memorial is located. And uh, I just took a class down at the National Fire Academy in Emmitsburg. And when we were doing introductions, I asked the folks in the class, you know, who knows where the, where the memorial is located? And of the 18 people there, probably 16 put their hands up and they were relatively confident that they knew where it was. Um, some people thought it was in DC, some people thought it was in Colorado, some people thought it was, uh, you know, different places. And uh, as you know, and what the unfortunate answer is, there isn't one at the moment. Um, but we at the foundation are working diligently to, to correct that. And uh, hopefully we'll have one, a permanent EMS memorial built in Washington, DC in the near future. So I, I, I laughed when you told me that story when we were off air. Um, it's more humbling hearing it now and, and for the purposes of why we're together. Um, something just uh, popped into my head. You guys kind of receive on, on the website, uh, not on the website, but on social media sites promoting this and, you know, talking about shirts and, and I'm fortunate to have gotten a, the Hunter Green shirt this year again, um, helping to support the memorial nice. where it's um, commitment, service, sacrifice. Uh, and a lot of people talking about like, why would I have to pay for my own? Why should I have to contribute to my own? Why do we need one? A lot of low-key hate or you know short of people being really disgusting and then even bringing up uh you know why is this irish or british guy you know this this and this so passionate about an ems memorial for uh, america well um tony you want to talk about first of all your your coming to america story i think it was 1994 where you came over for a world cup match um ireland versus norway that's right and then, and then uh maybe a little bit about uh you're coming here, you're staying here. Uh, 
whether you're a citizen or not. Because uh, a, a lot of people think, you know, it, it's perplexing to think that in, in the 21st century, we're still getting hatred about ethnicities and nationalities and and backgrounds and who and why they should be supporting or not supporting certain things. Um, yeah. But you're you're an EMS professional of well over 25 years in the United States, and your origin of birth should have no consequence over your passion and desire for for those that have fallen uh, yeah. to to have a memorial. So if, if I'm curious if you if you be interested in talking about your your coming to hear story, uh, how that worked out, and then your kind of background in EMS and your passion for the memorial. Sure, sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, I agree with you. I don't think that you know where where somebody's from should affect uh, well anything, but certainly not their their, <laughs> their dedication to uh, to to a cause. But um, just just on that, like I'm I'm not. You know, I'm I'm one member of, of the the board, one member of the team that are that are doing this, and we're from very diverse backgrounds from all across the United States. You know, we've got board members that live in California and Colorado and New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Florida. We're, we're it's a truly uh, nationwide um, effort. You know, but uh, yeah, I came over in 1994. Came over in May of '94, and uh, there was a two week vacation to the states, and during that vacation, I was going to watch a will. Cup match. Uh, it's when the World Cup was hosted by the United States, and I went to Giant Stadium in New York to watch uh, Ireland, the Republic of Ireland, play in Norway. And it was a fantastic day. But um, really, the reason the reason I stayed here was the second day I was in the states. I was in a, a small little bar room in Cambridge, Massachusetts, or Somerville rather, Somerville, called Toad, and uh, met a young lady there who was. Very, very cool and told me that America was cool and that I should probably just stay. And I said, okay, well, let's see how that works out. And uh, that was 28 years ago. And we recently celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. So she, <laughs> she's the reason that uh, that I stayed. And when I was when I w- was first over here, I um, I used to work in a pub on in the night. I used to work the door in a pub downtown. Uh, it was called Paddy Burke's. And I also moved furniture during the daytime. So I had those two jobs and, uh, you know, I was a young man, so I could pull that off. But then as I started getting on a little bit, I realized I needed a real job. Um, I took a firefighter's exam because I didn't know what I wanted to do with myself. So I took a firefighter's exam and scored okay, but not great. And somebody advised me to take an EMT class because that can get you an extra point sometimes. Um, So I took the EMT class and it was like day three of that class when I realized that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So. That was in 1998, became an EMT, worked for a small, uh, not a small, for a large private ambulance company out here in Massachusetts called Armstrong Ambulance, and then uh, was able to test for the city of Boston and was uh, lucky enough to get get the job with Boston EMS in um, March of 2000. So been there ever since and uh, started as an EMT, did a small, small st- stint at um, the Special Operations Division, worked there for about three years, promoted to lieutenant, was a lieutenant for three years, and a couple of years back got promoted to captain. And uh, I've just been very, very fortunate and uh, loved every minute. So that's why I am where I am. Well, Tony, I I thank you for sharing that. And uh, I know you recently talked with Rob Lawrence. Um, I don't know if that was through Prodigy or his other uh, podcast. 
but <clears throat> in sharing your story, your passion for EMS, what over the course of the last uh, 20 plus years has been the resonating factor or what got you interested in becoming, uh, you're currently the treasurer for the uh, EMS Memorial, National EMS Memorial. What, what got you involved? Because when you and I met in 2015, uh, we, we met at uh, Stolly's, uh, you and your partner were, were riding around and I saw the ambulance and I kind of flagged you guys down. Um, and I said, hey, I'm this guy from Oklahoma. And you're like, okay, here we go again. But anyhow, <laughs> it, it turned out to be a, a very cool conversation. I got some pictures with you and some of the buses or the rigs or the rescues. What do you guys call them in Boston? I forget. We call them trucks. Trucks. Um, so the vernacular is funny, just even from Pennsylvania to Massachusetts, to Oklahoma, down to Florida. Um, so you had trucks, not, they're not rescues. They're not buses. They're not rigs. They're not ambulances. Okay. So trucks. So, um, getting to talk with you. And even at that point, you were so intentional about being relational. You, you just weren't like, this is going to be a transactional interaction. All right, here's this bloke from blah, 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 blah. And I'm just going to, you know, take a little bit of time, meet his big, oaf of a brother who was like six five 300 pounds um if if you remember and uh you do watertown right yeah yeah he lives in watertown exactly uh yeah. and you actually showed up to the house and and i remember in the in the back of your trunk uh when you said hey would you be interested in supporting this national ems memorial foundation and i said absolutely so you're like okay it's 20 bucks and i was like okay here's 20 bucks cash and and uh, I did, even at the time, which is sad as hell, I don't remember that we didn't have an EMS memorial. And at the same time, I thought, you know, maybe this was for preservation or upkeep or maintenance. Uh, so that was 2015. That's obviously seven years ago because it was around this time of year uh, when we met uh, seven years ago. When was your uh, first involvement with the, the foundation and what's the, the time frame for an EMS memorial? I, I obviously know, but for our listeners, if you'll share that with them and kind of what the process has been, not only in, in the legislature, um, having to now deal with architects and, and who's footing this bill. Yeah. So first question out of the, the 40 I just gave you, when did you become a part of the EMS Memorial Foundation? Um. So the as a as a part of the foundation, the foundation was formed. I was a, a founding member um, of the foundation, and we were formed in two thousand seven. So a few years before you and I met, um, and the the background story on the, on the the establishment of the foundation is um, a bunch of us from Boston EMS and and from other services around the country. We used to go to Roanoke, Virginia for the National EMS Memorial Service. It was held in Roanoke every year. <clears throat> and that's from when I got on Boston in 2000, we, we, we attended every year. And it was to, um, you know, honor and celebrate the lives of EMS providers who have died um, in the line of duty in the previous year. So every year we went down there, it was usually held in EMS week and uh, the folks that were running the service at the time were doing the best they could with what they had. And so it would be, so it was usually held in a small Baptist church down there. And every year we'd show up and we'd help them um, set up 
their memorial. It was a, a, a makeshift memorial that they would, it was like, you know, boards, sandwich boards kind of, that, that they would screw oak leaves to and stretch felt across and, and make it look as nice as they could at the time. And we, every year we went down and amongst ourselves, we'd talk and say, you know, there should be something more than this. There should be something permanent, something that people can visit every day of the year. <clears throat> and as the years went by, we got more and more angry. And this wasn't just Boston guys. This is guys from New York and Cleveland and Detroit and Oakland, California, from all over the place. And we would say, you know, there really should be something better than this. Why hasn't anyone done something better than this? Something that's more lasting. And, uh, and then, you know, probably around 2006 or so, we realized that if anyone was going to do it, it was going to, it was going to be us because nobody else was going to do it. So, so we got together and we formed the foundation. And as I said, that was established in 2007. Um, takes, it takes a little while to go through the IRS process and become a 501c3. So, you know, people can make their donations can be tax deductible and stuff. So, there was some, um, and none of us, none of us had done anything like this in the past. We were all just EMS guys. So there's a lot of on the job learning. Um, but yeah, that was, that was the, that's the background. That's, that's why I got involved. I, I was a member of the Boston EMS honor guard and, uh, you know, I've been up on the stage and, and I've handed flags to family members of those who've passed. And, uh, you know, it's just, I don't know if you've ever attended the service, but it'll 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 crush you, you know. And then when someone asks, "Where's the memorial?" because I couldn't make it to the weekend of honor, but I'd like to go and visit the memorial, um, and you have to tell them that there isn't one. That that also crushes you. So, so that was the impetus for getting the uh, the foundation started and working towards something that's going to be a place that you can visit any day, whenever whenever works for you or your family, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, always gutted when I, when I hear that, uh, for a number of reasons, because, <clears throat> excuse me, as you, as you were talking, I remember, uh, as having been a firefighter as well, uh, myself and, and worked in law enforcement, I've been able to go to the memorials or the memorial services for the fall and in Colorado Springs or even Emmitsburg or DC. Yeah. Um, and you know, the death in, in, in EMS mobile medicine that, that we've dealt with just in the last two and a half years uh, with, with COVID being the overarching, it, it's just, it's, it, it's mind boggling to see when, when we know, and, and as you guys articulate a lot, you know, over 850,000 uh, EMS professionals across the nation answer, you know, 30, million plus calls a year and and to honor their and recognize their commitment service and sacrifice across the nation um for those men and women that have that have made or paid that ultimate sacrifice it, it's still kind of unconscionable that we that you guys and thank you very much on behalf of and i know you're receiving this on behalf of everyone that's that's played a role since 2006 2007 um to get this going, but where are you today? Um, people can go to the website just before you get into that. What is the website? So people can go get a little bit more specific information. Uh, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, it's www.emsmemorial.org. Um, try to keep it as simple as possible. And also 
there's a lot of social media, um, the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, as um, it's all at EMS Memorial. All right. So the stage that you're in right now is if, if they go to the website, they'll see that there have been several prospective uh, sites that are, site surveys are being done in or around the environs of uh, DC. And there's a couple closer to the Capitol Mall uh, or the mall between the Capitol and, and the Lincoln, you know, just kind of uh, off from there and one a little bit farther out. But yeah. uh, what's the process currently? Where Where's the uh, opportunities and in, in, in the relative time frame from where we are now to having a memorial? Yeah, so the um, what, what we're in at the moment is site selection. Um, there's it, it's it's a it's an unbelievably <laughs> unbelievably bureaucratic and arduous process to build a memorial in Washington D.C. Uh, and I've always I've always respected that because you know you shouldn't be able to just go to the nation's capital and throw up a memorial. You know it should be it should be held for the for the most fitting. Um, you know, causes. Uh, but that being said, <laughs> the amount of, of uh, hearings and subcommittee hearings and, and you know, just it's, it's really, it's, it's way more than I thought. When we, we, had, um, we had a bill introduced, just to, to give you a little background on the legislative process, we had a bill introduced by um, a Democrat, Stephen Lynch, and a Republican, Chris Coons. And that bill was House Resolution 1037. And that was introduced into the Congress and it flew through the House and it flew through the Senate. And it was everybody, every, it was, it was at a time when, you know, bipartisan efforts were not particularly um, the, the thing at the time. And uh, it was the only bill that was passed unanimously by both the House and the Senate with no objections and, and uh, everybody was behind it. So that was great. And then from there, it goes to the president's desk to be signed into law. And it was in 2018. Um, and that, that took us a long time to get to that point. And I, honestly, for me, like I said, you know, being, being an EMS guy and not a, a legislative person or a, a lobbyist or whatever, I, uh, I thought once it was signed into law, that was great. We get our building permit and off we go. But it, it, it's not that way. That just opens the door to this 24-step process, which, as you said, it's on the, it's on the website. You can see it. Um, I think it's Project Timeline is one of the headers on the website, and you can see these 24 steps. We're about halfway through those 24 steps. Each one of them has layers inside those steps, and, you know, just it, it involves so many different agencies and governing bodies. We have to work with the National Park Service, the National Capital Planning Committee, Commission of Fine Arts, the National Capital Memorial Advisory Committee, the Department of the Interior, GSA, which is um, General Services Administration, the State Historic Preservation Officers uh, Agency. I mean, there's so many of them, and each one of them has a say in where it goes and what it looks like. Um, so it's it's just, you know, we're halfway through, um, and the timeline is from the day it's signed into law, which was in 2018, you have seven years to um, go, go through this process and to raise the funds that are needed 
and then you're granted your building permit and then you can you can actually break ground at the seven year mark so as it stands right now we're looking to be wrapped up by 2025 um but like i said we're about halfway through the process so that raises a question with me yeah what's the uh what's the bottom line where are we at financially what do we need and uh and, and i say that with all due respect to people that say why should i be paying for this well hmm. Uh, yeah. we, we can have that conversation with them individually. I don't, I don't want to get, uh, well, I can answer that question. Okay. Easily. Um, the, the way the, com so we're bound by a, a, an act called the commemorative works act. So if you're going to build a, a, a memorial in DC or its environs, um, you have to work within the confines of the commemorative work act and the way our, the law is written for this memorial, um, it has to be, it has to be funded, um, privately funded. So that means that individuals can donate, corporations can donate, but there can be no, um, no government money can go towards this. In fact, whatever the overall cost of the memorial is, we have to raise 110% of that money. And the additional 10% goes to the park service for the perpetual maintenance of the, of the memorial um, once it's established, once it's built. So, so why do people have to have to pay their own money to get this built? Because without those donations, we, we rely solely on donations. It's a charitable organization. It's a nonprofit. Everybody's volunteer. Nobody gets paid. And uh, every penny goes towards the establishment of the memorial. And um, without those donations, EMS will not have a permanent memorial in D.C. What's the bottom line? How much do we need to raise between now and 2025, uh, the seven-year mark? That's a really good question. And uh, I hate this answer because it sounds like a cop-out, but it's not. There's no real way of telling because, because of the process we still have ahead of us and all these committees and all these adjustments. We don't know where it's going to be. So, you know, if it's, if it's on one site there's existing infrastructure which is going to need to be moved and that's going to be an additional cost. And, you know, there's um, environmental impact that needs to be mitigated and that's going to, you know, at one of the other sites. And so that's that's a factor in uh, in calculating the, the overall cost. Also, um, what's it going to look like? Is it going to be, is there going to be water? Is it going to be, you know, exotic stone? Is it going to be, you know, a lot of metal work that all depends we've got to go through the com the, uh, the commission of fine arts to to figure out what it's going to look like and obviously the cost of building materials and the weight bearing if one of the sites has a has a tunnel underneath it which is a roadway so would that have to be strengthened if this is going to be a very heavy memorial you know how many metric tons etc so extraordinarily difficult to answer what i can say and what we do know is that Based on the history of recently established memorials, um, it's it's tens of millions of dollars. The one of the more one of the more um, modest memorials that was established recently is quite modest. Uh, you know, not 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 large at all, and doesn't appear to me to have a great impact on the environment or the the roadways and such. And that was eleven million dollars. Um, so. Our estimate at this time is somewhere between 20 and $30 million. And we are very short of that at the moment. So, so being very short of that and, and uh, 
do you guys have standard letters or do you do you write to the GMRs, the AMRs, the the uh, rural metros, the the folks of uh, uh, of the of the world uh, of the United States of yeah of EMS? Do do these organizations get direct direct uh, correspondence from from you guys seeking uh, the opportunity for them to to donate, participate in in the uh, opportunity to to bring a national EMS memorial to dc that's a that's a great question we actually just had our annual retreat um where the the board got together um um finances and um fundraising was obviously the major um the major topic of conversation the thing with those larger corporations is we know for I mean, there's no way that they're not going to want to be a part of this, right? Because why would you be opposed to memorializing the people who, you know, your business is, is designed to uh, to help? So we have not at this time reached out for what we call the big ask, because mm-hmm. these folks who are going to be doing, you know, we get a lot of 10, 15, $25 donations through the website and such, you know, and through the social media donation buttons. Um, but these, the folks that you just mentioned, we imagine will be coming with, with large checks. Um, what we want to be able to, when we, when we, when we're in a position to, to make that big ask, we want to, we want to tell them it's going to be here and it's going to look like this, you know, because that's the first question they're going to ask. If we go to them and say, Hey, how about, you know, a million dollars or whatever it is the ask is. And they, the first thing they're going to say is, okay, where's this thing going to be and what does it look like? You know, so uh, we, we're unable to answer that question yet. So we haven't asked the big ask. So while we're, while we're wrapping up site selection right now, we're down to our final three sites and uh, we're really honing in on, on one in particular. Um, and we've just started, while we're not officially in the design phase, they kind of overlap somewhat. So we have a um, we have a world renowned design team, and I'm going to leave it as a tease because when we when we when we're able to um, to announce who's who's going to be designing this memorial, it's going to knock people's socks off, and and I don't want to I don't want to steal the thunder of the of the team who are going to be doing it for us. They're going to make the announcement, but anyway, so we're going to know shortly where it's going to be, and we're going to know shortly what it's going to look like. And when we when we have that and that's a deliverable of sorts, then we're going to go for that big ask with all the um, the heavy hitters that you just mentioned. I I appreciate the thoughtfulness and the care in in the the board's considerations. That gives me great pause to understand and know that that passion meets also um, meets meets very well with the understanding that uh, that the process itself can be cumbersome and slow and, and for better or for worse, that's what makes this country great or otherwise yeah. at times uh, the, the divisiveness or otherwise, and, and grateful to hear that, that, that this was one bill, particularly in 2018 with the president at the time that passed uh, uh, unanimously across both parties and, and was signed uh, by that president. Um, yeah. and, My, and so go ahead. It was the only bill in that in that particular Congress that, that passed without uh, any objection, so that's that speaks volumes. You know, I mean, you, you know, you were saying earlier on about like you know this 
this effort has met with some um, some people have pause or whatever, you know. But in my experience, everybody and I'm literally everybody who hears about this says, "I can't believe that, that we don't have a memorial." And what can I do to help? You know, um, and and that was certainly the the way with the with the legislature. Everybody was they were jumping on board to to be co-signers of the bill, and they wanted they wanted in on it because it was it's a positive, you know. I mean, there's there's no downside to this whatsoever. You you're gonna you're gonna honor the men and women who are out there 24 hours a day, you know, helping people and saving lives and, and putting themselves in in jeopardy. So everyone, in in my experience, everybody's been supportive of this effort. I love that. Um, I just want to say before we continue that uh, with the reach of uh, and whatever that is, as we continue to grow EMS Improv, the uh, EMS Improv podcast, myself personally um to uh commit to whatever more than just the the 20 bucks here and there for the shirts and and that type of stuff um to further engage people to be another voice to be another advocate uh i I, i'm committing to you and, and the rest of your team that that uh as long as we have a voice and a platform and we're powered by GEMS, the Journal of Emergency Medicine, uh, we want to continue to share updates or stories, uh, bring on other members of your board to share their story um, and passion and vision. Um, if there's an opportunity to bring somebody from one of, one of the other organizations that you're working with uh, so people can understand the, 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 the importance and the need. Tony, I want I want to kind of go to, go out into left field for a minute. Uh, you and I uh, deal with a lot of different things, and, and those of us, uh, you, you as a footballer uh, and a fan, uh, and I and I played since I was a wee lad. Uh, my my first coach uh, was was from uh, Great Britain uh, when I was five. Uh, played through college and, and as an adult, um, we've you know tragedy and, and things like that. And, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because, uh, and, and you and I have already shared uh, what, what that's done to our gut as far as the emotions, but the date, April 15th, when I say that, yeah. um, and, and, and bear in mind for the listeners, one of the reasons I'm bringing that up is because there, there's a significant story or two, but it, it, it also extends the understanding of why uh people in, in greatness and and those that have suffered loss uh and have paid the ultimate sacrifice need to be memorialized but when i say april 15th tony uh what does that do uh how does that make your emotions shift and 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 why well <clears throat> april 15th is a is a a very very important day. It's um, how how it shifts my emotions is it uh, it brings a massive amount of heartache. Um, it, my as you know, I'm a Liverpool fan, and April fifteenth in nineteen eighty nine, um, there was a FA Cup semi final between uh, at, at Sheffield's ground, and uh, there was a huge crush in the crowd, um, mismanaged mismanaged crowd control the, and um, there was a huge crush and 97 Liverpool fans were killed uh, on April 15th in 1989 and uh, I knew I knew two of the guys and one of them was a friend of mine Carl Lewis 
and uh, went to the funerals. And that's just, um, there's a horrific, horrific day that will live on forever. And then that was in, that was in, that's over 30 years ago. And then you fast forward to 2013 and on April 15th, the same date, um, the Boston Marathon uh, bombing took place. So the first 21 years of my life I spent in Liverpool and the last 28 years of my life I've spent in Boston and love both of those towns, you know, with all my heart. And they're both connected by that date, April 15th, which is um, a date of great tragedy, but also a date that uh, both cities showed the resilience that, you know, I think any any city in the world would, would envy. Um, obviously, the, the people of Liverpool uh, have been fighting for the truth and for justice for the uh, 97 victims and the people of Boston um, responded just brilliantly to uh, to the terrorist attack. And, you know, the whole one Boston thing came out in Boston strong. And um, yeah, that date, that date is, is extremely significant and um, it, 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 it breaks my heart, but it also uh, gives me great hope for what, what, we're all capable of in response to horror, you know? Yeah. The human condition, uh, when, when it comes to resilience and, and redemption and, and, uh, you know, rising from the ashes, you know, the Phoenix and, and kind of rebirth, um, or, or renewals. It's always interesting to me that, you know, living here now in Oklahoma city, um, with, with the bombing here and then, 9-11 and, and what a lot of people don't remember when I was working in law enforcement was several years before that, uh, you know, they tried to bring down the towers uh, from the uh, parking garages and, and, and incendiary and explosive devices. Then yeah. um, it, when we forget these events, uh, we, we lose sight and we lose touch of, of, of the people that, that were taken. And your friend Carl that you mentioned um, and in, in 89, how old would you have been then? Cause you, you and I are about six or seven years apart. Uh, and if I would have been like 21, uh, you're in your late teens or early, mid teens, 16, 16. Okay. Um, so a, a crushing blow and, and, uh, you know, kind of pivoting back to, you know, we memorialize these people, uh, th those are sacred and hollowed grounds where, where the tragedies and the loss took place. And for us as, as a profession, as an industry, whatever vernacular people want to use with EMS, a vocation, and it's crazy how we get into arguments about what we're supposed to be called as well, um, <laughs> that, uh, that those of you that are hearing this and, and Tony's passion, um, if it can only be $20 or, or if, if you're the president or the vice president, the regional director of one of the organizations that have been mentioned or haven't been mentioned when, when that ask comes, um, you know, we, just, we hope that you, you remember the, 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 the big why um, certainly we remember the little whys uh, uh, in, that are in our own heartstrings, but the collaborative why is, is always greater than, than, are sad uh, but yet individual losses um so to be able to give give a proper uh place for those people to be recognized i think is just an amazing uh 
love story, if you will, yeah. um, because you, you, the, the passion is, is, is beyond passion. That brings up, uh, you know, I'm going to do it, Tony, but, you know, when you walk through a storm, hold your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. I'm not going to continue, but that's that's uh, the title of what song, you know. Yeah, yeah, you'll never walk alone. You'll never walk alone. It's the anthem of my my team and my city. And I think, uh, yeah, the words of that, given the stuff we were just talking about. If, <laughs> if anyone who's listening to this doesn't know that song, just go uh, YouTube it. And, go uh, YouTube it for a, for a Liverpool game. Yeah. Uh, when you hear 80,000, 100,000 people singing that, it, a, a pin drop or a tear. If you think about what the dates mean or, or the gravity of loss that we suffered, um, when you feel alone, and that's one of the big things that we do with, with our podcast is talk about mental health and resilience and getting help. Um, the suffering that's gone on because of those two specific dates that you talked about. And then when you start adding in uh, COVID and Oklahoma City bombing and 9-11 and traffic accidents and, and whatever has taken the lives of those people that serve. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we understand darkness and we understand sadness and we understand that overwhelming sense of, of uh, not wanting to get back up um, and, and even worse. So we just, you know, we, Tony and I truly believe and firmly believe that, um, you know, when you walk through the rain, uh, you walk through the wind, your dreams, you know, they've been tossed and they've been blown. Um, we want you to still, there, there's an opportunity for hope in your heart. And, and that with those of us behind you, you're not going to walk alone, even though you're going to feel like it. Right, Tony? So there's so much negativity and cruelty in this world, but people like yourselves in the service, the Boston EMS community, uh, and those that you partner with, uh, those for the organization that I work with, um, and, and we're all connected. We're all connected through love. We're all connected through loss. We're all connected through anxiety. We're sadly connected through beefs and politics and everything else uh, that that kind of tarnish a lot of the goodness that we've done and do. But uh, the mission is greater than our individual selves. Uh, Tony has spoken to that. There's people from across this country. Um, are you able to, and would you be able to or desire to share the names of the people that are currently on the board, Tony? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the, the president of the foundation is Bob Morley, and he's uh, he lives in Florida. The vice president is Jamie Orsino. He's also a Boston EMS EMT. Um, he lives in Massachusetts. The secretary is Bill Sugiyama, and he lives out in California. And, the, and I'm the treasurer. I live in New Hampshire. Uh, we have James Robinson, he's in Colorado, and um, we have Jim Manson, who is in Illinois, and that's the, uh, oh, and then we have our executive director is um, Katie Orsino, and she's uh, Jamie's wife. Uh, she is a civilian, everyone I've just mentioned is a is a, um, a EMS provider, <clears throat> or former EMS provider, some, some of the guys have retired after decades and decades of service. But um, Katie Osino was a civilian. She is married to an EMT. Her sister was an EMT who was uh, permanently disabled on the job. And her younger brother was an EMT who served with us 
who unfortunately passed away at uh, way too young in his in his twenties. Um, and then we have another member of the board who is our social media director, and her name is Christy O'Brien, and she's the young lady I told you about who I met the second day I was in the states. So uh, that's my wife. And uh, again, all all volunteers. Um, everything we do is on our own time and our own dime, and um, that that's the board right there. Thank you for sharing each one of those because I know those names for the the listeners will pop up and somebody will say, "Oh, I did not know that." Um, so it, it's always neat when we can when we can personalize and, and make human connection to things. Um, I, I want to reiterate here: the uh, National EMS Memorial Foundation. Uh, is, is to design, build, and maintain a permanent EMS memorial in Washington, D.C. or its environs to honor and recognize the commitment, service, and sacrifice of the men and women of EMS across this nation. Um, obviously, that have made or paid the ultimate sacrifice and for those that continue to serve to be able to go there and, and bear witness and, and pay uh, respect and homage to, uh, to the ones that uh, have fallen. Tony, your passion is is uh, seemingly unstoppable. Um, when when you hit a rut, when you hit a, a hardship, when you hit a burden, when you feel like not getting up and doing what you have to do today, what are some of the things that you uh, kind of go through to to say, you know what, I, I've got to kick this in in the in the backside. And uh, I, I've got to I've got to do it because other people have done it before me and, 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 and in some cases paid the ultimate sacrifice. So what are a couple of the things that you do when when you've just been kicked in the tail um, and the people that you work with uh, have just taken it and, and borne the brunt of uh, so much adversity? Um, what are some of the things that you do uh, to promote positivity to to one just get up to just be OK? Um, yeah. I, I think, geez, that's a, that's a good question. I think, uh, you know, the, the easy one for me is I usually call the wife, you know, I, I give Christy a call or send her a text. If I'm, if I'm, uh, if I'm ever in a, you know, a spot where I'm struggling with something, uh, she's my go-to. So, uh, and she's, you know, it only takes a few words of encouragement and I get back on track, but uh, for anything that's truly, I, I've been very fortunate, Eric, honestly, uh, that I've never really gone into a dark hole, you know, um, and and having more than twenty years in this job, that's I think I think I'm, I'm I think I'm an outlier in that regard. But uh, I've been close a few times, and and then, you know, what I what I I heard this somewhere. I didn't come up with this myself, but you know, being able to do something about it, where you know, like it, people that have people that have passed away and or people that have become you know catastrophically injured or whatever and don't have the ability to to do something you know um to to make a change that you need to make or whatever thinking about those folks um is a good way for me to say you know at least i have the at least i'm able to like i'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to make a change where there's plenty of people that i've known over the years who have passed away or have have um you know had some catastrophic illness or injury who don't have that ability. So it's kind of a kind of a kick in my own pants telling me, you know, I tell myself to stop feeling sorry and be thankful that I'm that I still have the ability to to make the change and get out of that uh get out of that mindset or whatever it might be, you know. So I think that's those are those are the two. And I've I've like I said, it's been very infrequently that I've uh 
I've had to go to that second option. Usually it's just a, a quick call or a text to the wife and then I'm, I'm feeling better. So uh, that tells me two things, relationships and people that we care about that understand what we're doing, uh, maintaining strong relationship and, and being able to receive good and positive feedback is important. And you have that relationship with Christy. Yeah. And then um, perspective uh, and how important perspective is. Uh, we, we often tell people don't compare trauma and don't compare successes because if, if you're already suffering or, or hovering around that depression and anxiety and, and uh, feelings of being unwell, it can catapult you uh, deeper and farther into that abyss. Um, but at the same time, uh, or I should say, and at the same time, since uh, I'm a yes-ander with improv, um, and at the same time, uh, having a perspective difference where you can, you're willing to be mindful and look at all aspects of what's going on and see where yourself truly is compared to the pain and the, and the catastrophic suffering that other people have gone through. Um, for you, that's one of the things that you can pull yourself kind of away from the edge or the ledge. Um, and that, that, that's such a great place to be in. And I, and I, Tony, I'm glad you shared this because a few times that we've talked and since we met in 2015, um, you've always remembered some very personal things about the visits. Um, I'm fortunate that I have the pictures um, and hopefully I'll attach the one picture with the, with the podcast where we're by the truck. If I said it right, if you remember, uh, I'm wearing that Watertown strong shirt. Cause that was shortly after the, uh, uh, and my brother lived, he was, I, I remember the day he, he was sending pictures, uh, when he was, uh, ordered to stay in the house with the SWAT teams and the tactical teams yeah. from the state, federal and local governments, uh, right outside his, uh, his doorstep there in Watertown. Um, you know, the, the, the stories that resonate with people, um, your your particular passion for this memorial and, and the members that you've mentioned. And then uh, in two cases, at least spouses are also participating. Yeah. Uh, that That's one of the things that, you know, so many of us that feel lost in EMS in particular is that, uh, you know, EMS itself doesn't have a, a ragingly awesome identity because it's so compartmentalized and so different across regions, counties, and different things, even within states, um, which makes it hard for people to, to collectively come together. And, and what you guys are doing to collectively bring it together, even despite the reason uh, that the, uh, the deaths of other people, I yeah. think is, is value, valuable and important to, to make the bigger picture and that perspective of what you talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the, the together thing, Eric, is it's important to, to note that, um, while the, 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 the purpose of the foundation, um, of the memorial rather, the, the actual memorial itself, will be very, very heavy on the sacrifice, right? The, the line of duty deaths. But it's like, as we say in, in, in all the literature and on, on the shirt that you're wearing today and all its commitment, service and sacrifice, it's not just of those who've passed. It's, a, it's of you and it's of your family because your family have certainly sacrificed when you've been at work, at, you know, Christmas or Thanksgiving and you've not been around. And it's for, it's for everybody who continues to serve also. So it's not, you know, while, while folks who have lost uh, a loved one or a, or a coworker or something can go to this memorial 
and help them find a place of solace and, and a place to remember um, someone who's passed. You can also go on a trip to DC and while you go and see the Lincoln Memorial and you go and see the, you know, all these different monuments and memorials, you can go and see the one that's there established for you and to celebrate your service and your commitment. And, you know, um, it's, it really is, it, it encompasses the entire EMS community, not just providers, but like the, the families of providers and people who've been touched by EMS. And so it's, a, it's an all-encompassing effort. That's beautiful. And uh, for you to share that, because even though I genuinely know, you know, when sadly we think about uh, memorials, they are for specifically those that have fallen. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, it's, it's a lovely sentiment and, and it's so actionable because um, people from the community that have called upon EMS can go there and go, wow. And I didn't know that this many people had died as a result and is a living memorial for for my family or my grandchildren that are six and seven uh you know when they get 13 14 15 and and you know i'm approaching 65 or whatever at that point and and then go well poppy you know this is about you too and i yeah and this is about my friend and then i can point to it and say you know um twyla died or so-and-so or David Eads down from East Texas and, and mention people that I know or knew of their stories. Uh, and, yeah. and so, yeah, I, thank you for sharing that because when, when we, when it's about just darkness, because, you know, there's so much sadness and darkness and in, in death and particularly line of duty deaths. Yeah. Um, but you're also bringing the light, the, 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 the memorial, the living memorial aspect of this is, is beautiful. So, I'm grateful that you shared that with me specifically and with our listeners as well. Um, Tony O'Brien, you have been on the EMS Improv podcast where we do try to engage, where we are mindful. We share or tell our stories. Um, how can people get in touch with the, uh, the website again? How, how can they uh, follow on social media? What is the name of the website again, Tony? Yep, it's uh, it's www.emsmemorial.org. Uh, that, that's the website, and there's a you can contact us directly through there. I think it's info at emsmemorial.org. Um, there's also an 800 number if people want to go old school and leave a voicemail or whatever. Uh, there's also um, social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, it's at emsmemorial for the for the socials there. Um, and I think it's on Facebook. I think it's EMS Memorial Foundation, I believe. I should know that because my wife's the social media director. She's going to get mad at me. But uh, you can find it. It's the um, it's the blue logo with the star of life with the face in the middle of it. And, um, yeah, if you want to contact, I think you can contact each member of the board through the website if you want to send an email or something along those lines. Um, yeah, but we're we're accessible. And, uh, you know, we we... we we really, really can't thank you enough, Eric, for, for this opportunity to reach a wider audience and get the message out there and um, hopefully garner some support for the effort. Well, I, um, I can't uh, thank you enough. And from 1994 uh, and, and for meeting Christy and your passion and dedication uh, to, to not only come here for love, uh, but to become a citizen, to be impassioned by what uh, the states uh, have brought to you and given to you and your loved ones. And, and then furthermore, 
to be a, a person of service with uh, Armstrong uh, Ambulance Service and then uh, Boston EMS, uh, this service sacrifice and commitment that you do and your family does as well resonates in my heart, brother. Um, I appreciate that, man. So I, I, uh, I won't sing anymore before we <laughs> sign off. Uh, do you have anything else funny that you want to share? Uh, a bit of laughter? Uh, any, any other funny stories? Um, you had told me that uh, when you go back to uh, Liverpool, um, that, that your friends call you out. Uh, and, and there was a bit of vernacular that you used uh, there that uh, typically would say, so we met at Sully's in, in Charlestown. Yeah. Uh, but if you go back there and said, hey, I met, I met this blah, 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 blah. How would you have said it? And they, and they kind of get mad at you now. So to, to tell our listeners that story. Well, first of all, just to break your heart, Sully's, which was one of the most famous bars in, in Charlestown, uh, is now a condo complex. So that's uh, that's unfortunate. But yeah, so because I lived in, in Liverpool for my first 21 years, um, and I've lived here for 28, so it's longer over here. And when I go back home, uh, my friends and family, they're very quick to pick up when I use uh, either. They, they, they detect an act, a, a bit of a twang in my accent, a, a bit of an American twang, which, you know, when, I, when I'm over here in America, people say I sound like either Irish, Scottish or whatever. A lot of people don't know the Scouse, the Liverpool dialect. But, and when I'm home, everyone tells me that, um, you know, I sound American. So when I met you, if I was in Liverpool, I'd say I met some fella in a pub. But, you know, when I go home now, because I'm used to using the American terminology, I'll say I met, I met this guy in a bar and they'll just light me up. <laughs> they usually like, oh, cowabunga, dude. You know, they all, <laughs> they take great, they take great, great happiness and joy in, uh, in, in, yeah, calling me out and, and telling me that I've become a Yank. So, but that, you know what? I've been a citizen for, for quite some, I was just celebrating my eighth, my eighth year as, a, as an American citizen. And uh, I'm very proud of it. So I don't mind if they want to, if, if the folks back home want to call me American and a Yank, I'll take it. I'm very happy to be there. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, and when you said, uh, bah, it, it sounded uh, like you're from freaking Boston now. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was funny. That rang, rang, resonated so, uh, so ear piercingly with me. That's funny. Um, congratulations <laughs> on, on eight plus years now of, of being a, a Yank. Thank um, you. I, I get admonished being, uh, having lived in North Carolina and here now currently in uh, Oklahoma as being a Dom Yankee. And, uh, because uh, the Dom Yankees don't go back, uh, they stay. Right. Um, you know, a Yank itself is is just a kind of a shite, uh, if you will, for Southerners, and, and there's a lot of consternation. But the Dom Yankees uh, are the ones that, uh, to to their consternation, won't go back uh, to the Northeast. And uh, I, I love uh, my Oklahomies, and uh, I met my wife here uh, in 2011 and uh, have grandchildren here now. And um, I'm grateful that uh, you and I met in 2015, uh, that uh, I, I pray we have continued relationships. Uh, we talked about, I'm gonna be out in uh, Boston up through Maine, obviously through New Hampshire in, in July. So hopefully we can, uh, we can meet for at least a, a pint and you can maybe meet my family as well. That would be beautiful. Yeah, man. Um, to at least say, hey, and, and my grandchildren can say, he talks funny. <laughs> um, but uh, I'll look anyhow, forward to it. 
I, I, I pray that that works out. And, uh, and, and uh, again, Tony O'Brien, captain uh, of, with the Boston EMS. He is the treasurer for the National EMS Memorial Foundation. Uh, thank you for your hard work, your passion, your commitment to the EMS profession, those that have lost, lost their lives in the line of duty and, and as a living memorial to people that serve and have served. Um, you'll never walk alone, brother, because you've got me and you've got so many people supporting you. Um, I, I love that song. It brings goosebumps. And, and for those of you that haven't heard it, I, 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 I would hope that uh, you go to that. And when you're in a period of darkness, um, hopefully it can lift you up as well. Absolutely. Um, this has been and is the EMS Improv Podcast. We are powered by GEMS. I'm Eric Chase, Tony O'Brien. Until we meet again. Thanks so much, man. Thank you very much. I, think I really appreciate it. It's been great. Yep. YNWA, my brother. All day. All day. All day.